It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study we're glad that you've joined us tonight and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of the virtual bible study it is thursday april 26th we're live and we're ready to go my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is out of town tonight preaching in virginia So we're here tonight to talk to you, and we're looking forward to your participation. You can join in the discussion by calling 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. Or by emailing your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation in the program tonight. This is a listener interactive program. We benefit from your participation, and we hope you'll take a minute to join in on the discussion. The number to call again is 931-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. We have an interesting topic planned for tonight. We want to ask the question, if Jesus was alive today, who would be the ones that crucify him? Who would crucify Jesus today if he were alive on the earth? Do you believe it would be the religious people? Or do you believe it would be the heathens and those who care nothing about religion? Who would be the ones to crucify Jesus if he were alive today? We'd like to know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or email us questions at collegeview.com. We're asking the question, if Jesus was alive today, who do you think would be the ones who would be likely to crucify him? Let us know your thoughts again on the virtual Bible study tonight. Joining me to help with the discussion tonight, across the table from me, Monty Overton is here. Hello, Monty. Oh, Jacob, how are you tonight? Good. Thank you for coming tonight. It's an honor to be here. And uh, next to Monty and to my right is Gordon Mead, an elder here at the College View Congregation. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Jacob. It's good to be with you. Uh, Thanks next, for your invitation. Well, thank you for coming. And next to Gordon, in the corner, a little bit hesitant to talk, Dale Lindsay is here. Hello, Dale. Hello, Jacob. How are you? All right. Thank you for coming tonight. And thank you for joining us. Again, we'd like to hear from you at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about Christ, and if he were alive today, who would be the ones that would be likely to crucify him? Let us know your thoughts on the virtual Bible study tonight. I got a question that prompted this discussion, guys, several years ago. We were doing a radio program up in Nashville, Tennessee, and one of our listeners, Don, and Don may be listening tonight. Don has found his way over to the virtual Bible study and listens from time to time. But Don had an interesting question. He asked, the Bible and history plainly tell us that the physical actions to kill Jesus were accomplished by the Roman soldiers, but the demands and ultimate responsibility for his execution fall on the Pharisees, priests, and scribes. With this in mind, if Jesus had waited until now to come and be born on earth, don't you agree it would be the church people that would demand his execution? But Don had an interesting question and an interesting observation. It is true, Monty, that while the Romans carried out the crucifixion of Christ, they were spurred on and prompted to do so by the religious people of that day. That's right, Jacob. You know, when you think about it, until the Jews made a big issue of it, the Romans probably may have been aware of Jesus, but he wasn't really anybody they were particularly interested in. But when the Jews, had, when after they'd arrested him and tried him themselves and determined that they was going to crucify him, they're the one who made the big issue and really uh, pressured the Romans into carrying out this crucifixion for them. That's right. And so if the religious people of that day crucified Christ... Would it be a logical conclusion to conclude that religious people today would want Jesus to be crucified? Let us know your thoughts about that at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. I think it is a logical conclusion to conclude that if religious people in the first century didn't want Jesus around, wanted to crucify him, that it would be a logical conclusion to conclude that religious people today would have a problem with Jesus as well. And so we want to discuss that on the program tonight. 
I believe that's right. And when you think about it, if Jesus were here today, it would be to fulfill a plan that God had for him. And if it was that same plan just had been put off until now, then the, it would be the same type of people that would have done that to fulfill God's plan because he would have prophesied it and it would have had to have taken place because he said so. Now, you make an interesting observation, Monty, because we know that Christ doesn't change. So if Christ were here on the earth today, he would have the same characteristics, the same manners, and the same agenda that he had in the first century had he come today because Christ has not changed. And so if Christ was the same and religious people manifest the same characteristics as the religious people in the first century, it's logical to conclude then there would have been that same conflict that was there in the first century. That's right. I believe you're exactly right. On now, that. Again, we want to we want to preface this discussion by saying this is purely a hypothetical discussion and purely supposition. Uh, we don't know exactly how things would happen if Jesus were alive today. But it is good for us to have this discussion because if we possess the same characteristics that the religious people in the first century possessed, if we have the same type of attitudes and actions of the people in the first century, then we would be in, uh, at odds with Christ. In fact, we are at odds with Christ today, even though he's not here on the earth. If we have the same characteristics of those religious people in the first century, then we would be likely to be at odds with Christ today. So let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. You know, someone has asked, what would be the purpose of discussing this? Why would you even want to have this discussion tonight? And the reason why is that if religious people in the first century were capable of doing the terrible deed of demanding Christ's execution, we could be guilty of that as well today. We could be at odds with Christ today if we don't have the right attitude and motivation in our religious service to God. You know, Jacob, there's really only two things in life that we can control, and that's our actions and our attitudes. And when you hear people always say that experience is the best teacher, well, that's true, but it doesn't always have to be our own experiences. We can learn from the actions and attitudes of people in the past so that we don't have to duplicate those same mistakes. So as we examine the characteristics of the people of of the time that Jesus was here, just like you mentioned, their actions and attitudes, we can endeavor to examine ourselves and make sure we don't have the same attitudes that they had so that we don't duplicate their actions. Look at how their attitudes motivated them to do outrageous, things and an outrageous act in as far as going as far as having Christ crucified because of their attitude money and their and their attitude towards God and following him we definitely want to make sure that we avoid that because we can duplicate that today if we're not careful and if we're not careful of guarding our attitude and our actions in our religious service so excellent comments well let's look at some of the characteristics that prompted the the Pharisees and the religious people of that day to be at odds and be at opposition with Christ. You know, one of the major problems that the religious people had in the first century, Gordon, was that the fact that they wanted to follow traditions of men. They had uh, formulated their own religious rules and their own traditions, and they stuck to those religious traditions, and those traditions caused them to be at odds with Christ. That's right, Jacob. Uh, Matthew uh, 15, 1 through 6, says... Uh, uh, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were uh, of Jerusalem, saying, "Why do you, uh, why do you disciples transgress to the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread." But he answered and said unto them, "Why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your traditions? For God." Commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, If it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, uh, he shall be free. Thus you have made the commandments of God of none effect by your traditions. All right. And so the religious people of that day made the commandment of God of none effect by their tradition. They had a set of rules set up, Monty. Those were in odds with what God was trying to tell them, uh, what Christ was teaching them. Their traditions set themselves at odds with God and with Christ. They didn't want Christ then to come along and tell them something different because they had their traditions all set up, and that's what they were going to follow. They didn't want to hear the truth from Christ, and uh, we've got to be on guard against that. You know, as you read the the next verse after where Gordon was reading, it says, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of 
men. Well, I think we need to really examine ourselves to make sure that we haven't made some kind of commandments or rules or traditions of our own that we want to follow, and we're going to go by that and ignore what God had to say in the Bible. Uh, there's various different things that people tend to ignore today, like baptism. People, Lots of people today will try to tell you that, well, you don't have to be baptized. It's just a good thing to do because Jesus did it. Well, the Bible clearly teaches that baptism is required for remission of our sins. Well, you know, you, well, you the passage you referenced there, that uh, they were looking religious. They looked like they were doing everything just fine. They were saying one thing with their mouth, but their heart was far from God because of the way that they were behaving and the things they were teaching and practicing. The same could be true of us today. We can look religious on the outside, but then when we get down to certain doctrinal practices, like you mentioned baptism, a lot of people have set up their tradition that you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved, or we can sprinkle if we want to do that, and we'll call that baptism. We'll call whatever we want to be baptism. And uh, we'll just do it that way. Our heart's far from God if we're following our commands, our traditions, instead of what God has taught us. You know, lots of times people will say about one thing or another that they're participating in that the Bible clearly describes as wrong. And they'll say, well, God wants me to be happy. Well, he does, but he's given us instructions on how to go about doing that very thing, about being happy on this life and in the next. And if we ignore his commands on this, then we're doing that same thing. We're teaching the doctrines and commandments of men, or we're being like Christ described the Pharisees, that we're whitewashed tombs, but inside we're corrupted and we're full of rotted men's bones. And we can be that same way. We can look good on the outside, like you said, but we can be totally corrupt and defiled on the inside because we're not following God's traditions but our own. And so when Christ comes along and teaches us, now through his word, back then in the person, but now through his word, when Christ teaches us something that contradicts our tradition, We don't want anything to do with that because we've set our tradition up ahead of what God has taught us in his word. You know, it's easy for us to look back at the Jews and the religious people of that time and and be critical of them for not following Jesus and not listening to his word. But we've got to be really careful that we're not emulating their attitudes and and trying to put our own things and really not examining ourselves to make sure that we're not duplicating their performance. That's exactly right. Traditions is hard to break. You know, we see that in the uh, God's word uh, you know, they had trouble um, converting over uh, to the teachings of Christ from the um, the old uh, law. And so it, they had many traditions there, and they were hard to break. And, and uh, we could possibly get in uh, to that same category today ourselves if we uh, practice something or, or, uh, or get us, ourselves uh, carried a little bit too far, I guess, into man's thinking and and uh, getting into the traditions that that that's, that's um, you don't want to break them. Well, the thing is, traditions over time, if you do something long enough, it looks like doctrine. It looks like something right. that comes out of the Bible, and that seems to be the problem with the Jews in the first century. They had done it for so long, it seemed like it was from God, right. and they didn't want anything that was opposite of what their traditions had said. And so we got to be careful. A lot of religious organizations are doing that, though, putting their traditions and what they've always done up there on the same plane with what God has said, and we can't do that. You know, and we have to think about it. The way they came by a lot of these traditions was people that they respected, their spiritual leaders, the priests or the elders or people who they were supposed to look up to and follow, had devised these traditions and taught them that, and they had just become, in their mind, equal to the commandments of God, if not greater. Well, we have to be careful about the same thing. We have to be careful that we're not just following a preacher and whatever the preacher says, that's good enough, or whatever the elders say, that's good enough. Uh, we should respect them, and those people are, should be well studied and know what God has to say to us. But at the same time, whatever the conclusions or whatever they try to teach us, we've got to be like the noble-minded Bereans that Paul mentioned, that we're studying to see what God really said on it, not just trusting some person and following them blindly in some tradition that they've devised. What do you think about traditions? What do you think about religious people today? Would religious people be the ones who wanted Christ's crucifixion? Would you want to have Christ crucified? Religious people in the first century did. What about us today? If we have their same attitudes, we can be guilty of wanting Christ to be crucified, not wanting to hear Christ, not want to submit our lives to his will by our attitude. Let us know your thoughts. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to continue the discussion. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. 
tonight on Channel 8 WSIN. It's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm Troy Smith and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad and we love to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you've made plans to join us tonight, and we hope you'll stay tuned. We're looking at an interesting question tonight, asking the question, if Christ were alive today, would it be the religious people or would it be the heathens who wanted his crucifixion in the first century? It was the religious people who wanted Christ's crucifixion. And so we have to conclude that if we are not careful and not guarding our attitude, we could be at opposition with Christ today. And we want to understand how the first century Christians viewed Christ and his teachings so that we can make sure that we avoid the same traps that they fell into. We were talking about the fact that traditions and the traditions that people in the first century were following caused them to be at opposition to what Christ had taught them. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, a verse you mentioned just a minute ago, Monty, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then it goes on in verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And we can be worshiping God in vain, and we can be at odds with Christ because of our tradition. I want to talk about a religious group who's notorious for this. The Episcopal Church has a way of interpreting scriptures well, basically, their conclusion is that scriptures are not the final say in how we act and, uh, and the things that we do. In a debate that a gentleman uh, had with a preacher, if I can find it here, his name is Robert Williams. He's an ordained um, priest in the Episcopal Church. He had a debate with a preacher named Jeff Asher down in Texas over the issue of homosexuality, and he explained how that... The Episcopals can justify and allow homosexuality when the Bible clearly condemns it. And uh, he said, quote, notice this quote, how they put tradition on the same plane as biblical teaching. He said, Episcopalians, Anglicans, since the beginning of the Anglican Church at the time of the Reformation, have always held up what we call a three-legged stool. There are three factors that have to be taken under consideration in making any kind of decision in the church. All three of these are equally important, and those, on, and those are scripture, tradition, and reasoning. It is like a stool with three legs, and when you remove any one of these three legs, it will fall. So scripture is part of the equation, but it is only a third of the equation. And reason is equally a third of the equation. Reason includes listening to the data from the sciences, both the natural sciences and the social sciences, and in the, in the Anglican tradition, that is as important as the Scripture itself. And in fact, the two inform each other and have to be held in tension. So the Episcopal Church's view is that the Bible is important to us as we try to decide what we should do, but tradition is equally important, as well as our human reasoning. Now, that sounds awful dangerous to me, Monty. It sounds an awful like awful lot like the Pharisees in the first century, and it put them at odds with Christ because they taught as doctrine, as commandment, uh, their tradition of men. And that's what the, the Episcopal Church is doing in, the, in what they admit. They admit that tradition is of equal value to them as the truths of God's Word. You know, when you think about it, using in the, the what they're using for logic, I guess, in, behind this, when you look at the Scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 
nine, uh, 6, verse 9, is talking about a list of people that won't inherit the kingdom of God, and homosexuals is one of those. So we can see using their logic that Scripture clearly condemns that activity. Well, if we look at it from a, a position of reason, it seems reasonable to me that that would still not be an acceptable practice because it's against nature. There's nothing in nature that we find that participates in that type of activity. So it's, un- it's an unreasonable thing. And if we look at tradition, in my life, until just the last few years, traditionally, and from what I can look back historically, homosexuality was a a bad thing and was not accepted then either. So going by their reasoning process, they would still have to say that the practice of homosexuality was a bad thing. All right. Well, tradition can definitely put us at odds with Christ, and we've got to be on guard against that. The Pharisees and the religious people of the first century We're following their traditions, and as a result, they were at odds with Christ. We have an email from Randy in Jackson, Missouri. Randy, thank you for your email and your participation in the program tonight. He says, okay, I'll be controversial. The people who crucified Jesus in the first century were the religious legalists. They valued the tradition of man over the revealed word of God. When Jesus violated their man-made rules, they crucified him. So I think today the religious legalists would be the ones who would be intolerant of Jesus. He goes on and lists several act, uh, several positions that he says would make uh, one legalist a r- religious legalist. But he says obedience of those is required for fellowship and salvation, even though the New Testament allows for tolerance, uh, tolerant use of all the above. And he says that we're free to disagree, and he's sure that we will. Uh, Randy, thank you for your comments tonight. And uh, I would agree with Randy that if we're binding our tradition, our think-sos, our opinions over what the Bible teaches, then we're wrong, and we would be at odds with Christ. You know, Jacob, when you think about the idea of being a legalist, I've been called that before, and uh, but I've also can point out that God himself was a legalist. Because when you think about it, when Moses struck the rock instead of giving glory to God as he was told to and speaking to the rock, uh, God told him from that that he wouldn't be allowed to enter into the promised land. Now, we, if we was just from a human standpoint, that seems like that's being awful nitpicky that, you know, what did that one little deal have to matter? Because once before God had told him to strike a rock and get water from it anyway. So, he, you know, we could argue in, in our human reasoning all day long say well that shouldn't have made a big issue but god had given moses specific instructions on what he wanted done and when moses didn't follow that god being the legalist that he is refused him the the honor or the privilege of entering the promised land yeah i think that perhaps randy is confusing a couple terms here binding traditions definitely puts us at odds with christ I don't understand, though, necessarily the whole legalism term that gets used a lot in religious discussions today. A lot of people say if you demand that we follow certain activities, then you're a legalist. I don't believe that's the case. And let's look at another verse, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus is getting on to the Pharisees again. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to done, and not to leave the other undone. Jesus said they needed to be particular in their obedience of the law and the specific actions that God had required from them, the law, specifically the tithing. Jesus said they should have been particular in what they tithed and tithed everything. He didn't get on to them and say, you guys are just being legalists by saying you've got to tithe even these small herbs that you're growing in your garden. He said you should have done that. You should have been particular in following all the aspects of the law. But he got on to the Pharisees because they were omitting the actions of the heart as well, the attitudes that they needed to possess, love, faith, and mercy, and judgment. And so Jesus didn't get on to the Pharisees for trying to follow all the law, Monty. Instead, he got on to them for omitting other actions, other attitudes, and parts of the law. You know, Paul told us if we was trying to follow the law and failed in one point, was guilty of, of all of it. And it's basically the same thing Jesus is saying here, that we're, we're supposed to follow all of the rules and the commandments that God has given. We don't get to pick and choose what we want to do. God's given us rules. He's given us commands to live by so that our lives can be fulfilling, and we're supposed to follow them all. All right. So I would agree with Randy that if we're following traditions and our opinions, then we're going to be at odds with Christ. But I disagree with Randy when when we say if we don't follow what Christ has told us and we don't follow all of it, that we're going to be pleasing to God. Uh, Randy seems to uh, to indicate there that if you didn't, and I don't know, I'm not going to necessarily say that Randy's indicating that, but people who claim that we're legalist 
if we demand that we follow all of the instructions that Christ has given us, what instructions can we leave out? You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll keep some of my commandments or you'll keep the ones that you like. When he said, my commandments, that phrase would imply that he was talking about keeping all of them. Right. And and we need to be careful to make sure that we're noting. We're not saying that we're going to earn our salvation money by following all of Christ's commandments to their fullest extent. We're not earning our salvation in any way. But what we're saying is that Christ and God demand obedience, and we've got to be obedient in every aspect of the instructions that they've given us. That's right, because the first time we sinned, we disqualified ourselves for salvation, and we couldn't. there's nothing that we could do to earn it back because we've defiled ourselves, and, and we can't fix that situation of being lost. But Jesus could and did, and so we we're saved because of his grace and mercy. But he has said to obey his commandments and to keep them. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We have an email from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Keith, thanks for listening tonight. Thank you for participating in the virtual Bible study. Keith says, we know that at least a few Romans also believed in Jesus, from the centurion whose servant was dying to possibly even Pilate and his wife. But because Pilate was full of pride and was told that he was not a friend of Caesar, If he spared the life of Christ, for he was a king, and that was not allowed, he turned him over to be crucified. We know that the sum of the Jews were followers, but most were scared to confess him before others. Seems to me pride was one of the main factors in the death of Christ. Today, the same kind of pride would be the dominant factor. How many people would acknowledge him over the Pope? How many people would believe him over some of the television for-profit preachers that are out there? I think Keith makes an excellent point. Uh, he says, you know, the pride of the people of the first century kept him from just being humble enough to admit that Jesus was the Christ. You know, when you think about that pride, we could also look at it like and use the term self-righteousness. And Paul talked in Philippians about that in chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. He went down a list of if you wanted to look at self-righteousness or per- things for personal pride of things that he could have boasted on, he says, that he was circumcised the eighth days of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrew and, and you know, was touching the law of Pharisee, uh, the strictest sect concerning zeal, he persecuted the church, uh, it says touching righteousness, which is in the law, he was blameless. He could have went through a whole list of pride or self-righteous things, but he says he counted all that as nothing because it, it, it really it wasn't important. And so we have to be careful about that kind of thing too, pride or self-righteousness, and not let that hinder us from obeying the gospel and not letting that be cause us to be the type of person that would have crucified Jesus. All right. Thank you for your comments, Keith. Excellent points there, and we've got to make sure that we keep our pride out of it. And, uh, you know, if we think that we've got it, we think we've got it all under control, we don't need any instruction from anyone else, including Christ, when something comes along that contradicts what we think and what we think is right, we're going to have to have a problem with that, and we'd want to crucify Christ if he was telling us something to do different than what we're already doing. That's right. All right. The number to call is 931-381-4567. Questions at CollegeView. Question at CollegeView. Questions at CollegeView.com is the email address to use. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Well, what do you think? What is the reason that the first century religious people had a problem with Christ? And if we have the same attitude, could we not be uh, guilty of doing the same. We have an email from a listener in Spring Hill. Wouldn't the answer to the question uh, be that every one of us would be the ones to crucify Christ today if he were here today? Wouldn't we have done just what our sin, uh, just that with our sins that we commit? And that is true. Our sins necessitated the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no uh, forgiveness money. And so it is true that we would have demanded that by our sins. Uh, hopefully, though, we wouldn't be the ones who were calling for that crucifixion of Christ if we had the proper attitude. Yeah, that's right, because the sins that we commit today aren't any more grievous than the, or any less grievous than the ones that were committed by people in the first century or even from back from the very beginning of time. So our sins did require that sacrifice, but we just need to be careful and examine our actions and our attitudes, our attitudes which cause us to do certain actions to make sure that rather than rejecting Christ's doctrine and teachings and and seeking his death, that we would be like others and follow him. All right. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation 
in the virtual Bible study tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. At the College View Church of Christ, we're simply interested in studying God's Word, His will for us in our lives, and applying it every day. And that's what we're trying to do at the College View Church of Christ. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. You can do so by checking out our website, collegeview.com, by calling us anytime throughout the week at 931-381-4567. Or, better yet, come and visit with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship at 10.30 a.m., And then at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings, we meet for another period of worship. On Wednesday evenings, we have a Bible study with classes for all ages that begins at 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening. You'd be welcome at any of these services. We encourage you to come and find out what it is that we're all about. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion with your questions or comments, we hope, at 931-381-4567 or over the email at questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we look forward to your participation. The number to call again is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. This is a group Bible study, just a large group of people on the Internet. We may not be face-to-face, but we can still communicate over the Internet, and so we'd like for you to raise your hand. You can do so by calling us or by emailing us and let us know your thoughts. As we talk about this question, if Jesus was alive today, who would be the one that would want him to be crucified? We've said that the people in the first century that demanded his crucifixion were the religious people, and it is logical to conclude that a lot of religious people today wouldn't like Christ and his teaching if we have the same attitude of those religious people today. We have an email from Don in Nashville, the same Don who prompted this discussion that we had on the radio in Nashville several years ago. I told you he might be listening tonight. And he says, I appreciate you covering my question again. He said, I would think the reason many professed Christians would take part in crucifying Jesus is because they would not recognize him as the true Son of God. This is because he would be the complete opposite of the man-made Jesus they are worshiping. The one mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. The contrast between the true Jesus and the other Jesus is clearly seen in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. Thank you for your email tonight, Don, and thanks again for prompting this discussion on the virtual Bible study tonight. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Dale, you've been quiet all night. How about reading 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4? For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached... Or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. All right. And then and he says that is clearly seen in Matthew 7, verse 23. Dale, you want to read that? I mean, uh, Gordon, would you read that? Uh, 22 and 23, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful uh Uh, many wonders in your name 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you that practice lawlessness. All right, so there were some people there, Gordon, if you'd asked them, are you following Christ? They'd said, absolutely, look at all the things we're doing for Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ would have a problem with them, though, wouldn't he? Yes. Why Uh, why so? Well, you know, they they would uh, do uh, uh, many things that were contrary to uh, the teaching of Christ and and uh, of course many times uh, as we read and learn about these people that Christ tried to teach they would many times refer back I don't know if you recall they would refer back to them being the sons of uh, Abraham you know and so they they thought that they were uh, above everyone else you know so uh, so it was uh, they would they practiced things that were uh, they they was doing it in the name of religion, but it wasn't lawful. All right, if we're not following the instructions of Christ, we can't claim to be serving Christ. A lot of people are claiming to serve Christ and be His servants when they're actually serving themselves and doing the things that they want to do. So they're at odds in opposition with Christ. You know, as Jesus talked to these people in the scripture in Matthew we was just reading, he goes on down through here and he says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. So it's not enough, It's not necessarily that we're just going out and being willfully sinful and violating specific commands Jesus has given us, but it can be that we know what he said to do, that we've heard the teaching done, and we're just not doing what he told us to do. We, you know, We're just neglecting to follow his instructions, but it's still the same concept. Consequence, and you know, if we're not careful, just like he was teaching to these Jewish people, who was basically doing that, he was teaching them the truth, but they chose not to follow it. We could be guilty of crucifying Christ again. All right. The number to call is nine three one three eight one four five six seven. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. What do you think about what we've said so far? Do you think we're off base? Do you think that we're wrong in assuming that religious people today would be the ones who would demand Christ's crucifixion? We've said that a lot of religious people today, a lot of denominational Religious people today would be at odds with Christ, wouldn't want to hear his teachings because it would violate their traditions. They've put their traditions up on a pedestal, and they've promoted them to being on a plane that's at least equal, if not greater, than what Jesus has revealed to us in his word. The Episcopal Church does that. It's part of their three-legged stool, they call it, as we referenced earlier. Tradition, reasoning, and scripture, all of them are equal. And if tradition, if you've always done it then in the Episcopal Church, you can always do it because it's right. It's on the same plane as what Christ has always, as Christ has said in the Scripture. That bet a lot of people, a lot of religious people at odds, might want to demand Christ's crucifixion because he would teach differently than their traditions. We talked about the fact that self-righteousness and the self-righteousness of the first, the, the religious people in the first century caused them to not think there was any need to follow the teachings of Christ. And they failed to apply the obvious instructions of the attitudes of the heart. They failed to apply those in their lives. You know, another Monty, go ahead. Well, when you think of self-righteousness, something that just came to my mind is that we tend to put ourselves up, especially in this country, I think we, we put ourselves first so much. And we kind of get the notion sometimes that what we think, our traditions or whatever we've devised that we think would be the best way to serve God is the way it ought to be. And just like Jesus talked about setting aside the commandment of God by our traditions, we put our traditions and the things we devised up on equal or, or like a lot of times even greater footing than what we, or pedestal than what we would put God's teachings on. And we need to really sit back and examine ourselves and realize our place in the grand scheme of things. You know, in which one place in the scriptures referred to us as worms. I mean, we're really kind of down in the dirt in comparison to where God is. And so we don't need to be giving ourselves such a high attitude about ourselves and such a high opinion of ourselves. The scriptures teach us not to think more of ourselves than we ought to. And we need to be really careful of that so that we're not putting our traditions or our own ideas or attitudes above what God has said. That's what the religious people of the first century are doing. They were putting their positioning, their reasoning, their opinions higher than what God had said. They were teaching those as doctrine. They didn't want to hear what Christ had to say. You know another reason why the first century religious people had problems with Christ and why they wanted his crucifixion? is because they were promoting themselves. They were doing their religious activities to be seen of men. Christ came along and said, you don't want to do that, and he had a problem with them, and that caused them to be angry with Christ. Look at Matthew chapter seven verse, or Matthew chapter 23, verses 5 through 7. Monty, you want to read that for us? 
Matthew chapter 23, verses 5 through 7. Uh, says, but, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. All right. You see a picture of a religious person there in the first century who wanted that prestige of being the holy person, being the religious person. They wanted everyone to look at them, everyone to give them praise. Christ said, don't be like that. Don't do that. Christ had a problem with it. They wanted to be seen. Christ, in, in his teaching, tells us we should do it exactly the opposite of that. Don't do it to be seen, but try to not be seen in your religious service. You know, Jesus said if we're doing our religious service in order to be seen by men, that that praise that we might get from men is going to be our reward. But we should be doing our service to be seen and to be glorifying God. We shouldn't be doing it to worry about what men think, but we need to be worried about what God thinks of our service, and that way our reward will come from him, All not right. men. The religious people of the first century didn't like that teaching, didn't like that concept, but that's what Jesus clearly taught in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Let thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Jesus told the religious people of the day clearly, don't do things to be seen of men, yet so many religious people today are guilty of the same. You want to be seen of men. How many religious leaders have we seen put themselves up on a pedestal? Monty, you know, the televangelists come to mind of how they present themselves as being some righteous person and some type of elevated spiritual superhero. They want to be seen of men as being the great one. Christ says that's not what it's all about. You know, but we've seen so many of those same people that are trying to elevate themselves as being some great thing. And the, the great fall they come to when the sin in their life is revealed. You know, various ones, uh, they've embezzled money from the organizations. They've committed adultery against their wives with people in the organizations and various things like that. And their, their great position they put themselves in, they come falling down. And, but the problem they've had is they've got so arrogant in their own mind and such an inflated attitude of their self that they think they can't fall. And the Bible tells us that we need to be careful of that also. When we think we're something or really being super good, we need to be careful lest we fall. All right. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The phone's been quiet tonight. We look forward to hearing from you on the phone. Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the question that has been presented to us. If Jesus was alive today, would it be the religious people who'd have a problem with him, who'd want him to be crucified? We're seeing a lot of similarities between the first century religious people who crucified Christ and the religious people today. You know, a lot of times when we see religious people today and talking about promoting their self, uh, they have great, when they're in, maybe in some type of situation where they're supposed to be making a public prayer, they've got great, long, flowing prayers and using lots of words. Well, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 addressed that too. He talked about when you pray, enter into the closet. When you shut the door, pray the Father in secret. He contrasts that rather than uh, people that would pray on the street corners and make a big show of praying to God and being religious. And when he gave us what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, really, it's just a a simple, short prayer. But it's the pattern of our life and prayers and not being full of vain repetitions, but keeping our prayers simple and straightforward and directed toward God and not we're out in the open where some men could be seeing us and trying to draw attention to ourselves for our great religious service that we're doing. Christ tells us we should be simple and not want everyone's attention when we do our service to God. It's not about that. Christ told them that they were wrong. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't like Christ getting in their way and getting in the attention that they were getting from their religious service. They had a problem with Christ, and they demanded his crucifixion. One more break, and then we're going to go to the top of the hour discussing this subject. Plenty of time to take your questions or comments over the phone at 931-381-4567 or via email at questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. 
I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're talking about the question, if Jesus was alive today, would the religious people be the ones who crucified him, or would it be the unreligious heathens who demanded his crucifixion? It stands to reason that it would be the religious people, as the religious people in the first century were the ones who demanded his crucifixion. And so we've got to be on guard against that today. Dale, you had a comment during the break. Uh, Jacob, in uh, Matthew 23, verse 30, it says, and 31, it says, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers of them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore you are witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Here they were pointing their fingers at their fathers for... Uh, persecuting the prophets, and in here they were about to do the same thing. So they looked at others and pointed the finger of blame at others, but they didn't consider themselves that they could be guilty of, of sin as well. That's right. And we can do the same thing very easily. I mean, we, if we can see the faults in others, we don't see any fault in ourselves, and uh, we can be at odds with Christ and not even realize it. So excellent, excellent comments. You know, all through the New Testament, we're taught to examine ourselves. It talks about getting the beam out of our eye before we start worrying about the speck that's in someone else's eye. So we need to always be careful to examine ourselves and make sure that we're in a right standing with God. Because if we don't, then we're going to be just like these other people. We'll be thinking we're better than everybody else. I'm a good Christian. I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't have any sins. And before we realize it, we're going to be totally wrapped up in sins and murdering. Basically, the same as they murdered Jesus, we'll be murdering him again in our lives. Go right along thinking everything's fine, everything's great, my relationship with God is where it needs to be, and we're at odds with Christ all along. But we couldn't see it because we were so convinced that everything we're doing was right. We've got to stop and consider ourselves. That's right. All right. Another thing that uh, caused the religious people of the first century to be at odds with Christ is the fact that they were more interested in what everybody thought of them than what the actual truth and what standing up for the truth would have required. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 25, after the Pharisees had tried to entrap Jesus with a question, Jesus asked them a question in Matthew 21, verse 25, the baptism of John, whence was it? from heaven or of men and they reasoned with themselves saying if we shall say from heaven he will say unto us why did you not then believe him and then in verse 26 it goes on to say that they feared if they said it was from men because everyone accepted that john was from god in matthew 21 verse 26 they said but we if we say of men we fear the people for all hold john as a prophet so they were worried about being what we would call today politically correct you know, it's just like the politicians today and so many people today. They're so worried about what everybody else may think of them that they really won't take a stand and commit to anything. And because of that, Jesus kept constantly forcing them to take a stand and, and make a, you know, to determine what they was going to believe, that they resented him for it and they crucified him. But we can look in the, the world today and see that for the most part, people today aren't any different than they were then. They're so worried about what people think of them and what position that might put them in that they won't stand up for what's right. Including people today who claim to be religious. Mm-hmm. Don't want to stand up for the clear teachers of the truth because it's not popular, Gordon. They, if they were to stand up and say what the Bible teaches on any number of subjects, Divorce and remarriage is one that comes to mind immediately. If if religious people today were to stand up and condemn divorce that is so popular in our society, it's not going to be a popular message. They're not going to have large throngs of people coming to them, and they just won't stand up for the truth of the gospel today. No, they won't. Um, they won't stand up against it. They would rather 
uh, accept it and let it, uh, um, you know, uh, destroy them. Or I mean, they're, they're thinking of that is that is they just uh, they won't. Uh, it's like the authority, you know. We teach, of course, you know, we have to have authority for what we do, and 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 far as homosexuals, uh, and uh, the Bible teaches, the New Testament teaches us that they have no part in the kingdom. So, but yet religious folks, like you're saying, uh, other folks, they want to uh, let these ones come in because they don't want to have a conflict with them. Want to be popular, right. like the religious people of the first century. And they didn't like Jesus' teachings because Jesus' teachings weren't popular. Therefore, they wanted him crucified. That's right. You know, Jesus' teachings weren't popular with their leaders because those leaders wouldn't stand up for, for what God had already taught. But he was taught popular with the common man. But, you know, the, the leaders didn't put any faith or any credibility with what those people said because they thought they were uneducated and unlearned and didn't know anything. But, you know... The Bible is a, is really a simple book, and if we'll study it with just a minimal amount of education, we can understand it, and we can see what various different things, like another th- area today where people are trying to be politically politically correct, uh, especially in the churches, has to do with the role of women. Now, the Bible's very clear in that it Paul said he didn't allow a woman to speak in church in order, in order to usurp authority over the men, but we see lots of religi- religious organizations have women preachers and women elders, and as we was talking about the Episcopal Church, they have women bishops. I mean, they go all the way up the line having women in these positions of authority over men where Paul in the New Testament clearly condemned it. Now, again, it's not politically correct to say that women should not be in positions of leadership, but that's what the Bible says, and that's what we accept because the Bible says it. Now, we're not saying that women are inferior. You know, a lot of people will make that argument. A lot of religious people will make that argument. Well, if we follow what Christ said about women, then we're saying that women are inferior and we're somehow chauvinistic. We're not saying that women are inferior. We're saying that God has given men and women different roles and we must assume those roles in order to be pleasing to God. We're not saying that anyone's superior or inferior to anyone else, but we're saying that God has set forth rules and relationships that we must maintain in order to be pleasing to him. But if Christ were to come here today, you imagine Christ going into some of these far-out religious organizations and saying, women cannot have a position of leadership, boy, he'd be run out of that congregation so fast, it'd make your head spin. That's about right. (laughs) He's not popular. Christ wasn't politically correct. Religious people of the first century were, and therefore there was a conflict. You know, I think we'd have the same problem in the religious world today. What are your thoughts? Let us know. We have time to take your questions or comments via email at at questions at collegeview.com or over the phone at 931-381-4567. We're looking forward to still hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. You know, another area that people would have a problem with today uh, with Christ and want to crucify him because they wouldn't want to accept his teachings has to do with people today are looking for a physical kingdom. Uh, There was a talk radio show I was listening to today, and that's one of the things he was talking about, depending on how the situation fell out in the Middle East or whatnot and the Iranians or whoever trying to destroy Jerusalem, that that was going to usher in quickly the return of Christ and he would set up his kingdom on earth. Uh, in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, and I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. People today still don't understand the scriptures and what Jesus clearly said, that his kingdom's not of this world, and there's nothing that we can do that's going to usher his return any quicker or put it off any further than what God has already appointed the time for that to be. It's exactly right. In John 16, verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. You know, a lot of people have the idea that Jesus is coming back to set up a kingdom here on earth. And if Jesus were to come here today and tell people he didn't want to set up an earthly kingdom, People would be at odds with him, say he's not the Christ. He can't be the Messiah if he's not going to set up an earthly kingdom. Jesus said very clearly that he does, has no interest in an earthly kingdom. It's not what his kingdom is all about. You know, Jesus told the people of that time when he was predicting his kingdom coming and all these things that that generation would still be around when that came to be. Uh, so that would put that in a specific time frame. Normally we'd think of a generation being 30 to 40 years. So it couldn't have been any further out than that. Well, if that generation, when those people were still going to be alive that he was talking to when that came to pay, if it hadn't come yet and, and it's, people are looking for it to come now, there's some awfully old people running around. 
you know, waiting on that. And I don't believe that to be the case. Jesus was very specific that his kingdom was not of this world. And like you just read in John chapter 6, he refused to allow them to make him a physical king because his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. You know, one other reason why the first century religious people demanded Christ's execution is because they didn't understand the scriptures. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand the Old Testament law, what it said about the prophecies about Christ. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand what it said about the activities and the laws that they were supposed to be following. And in, in John chapter 5, verse 16, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, they said, it, it says, Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They didn't understand the laws that they were supposed to be following. They thought Jesus had violated them, and therefore they wanted him to be put to death. You know, Jesus would violate a lot of laws of religious people today. And a lot of religious people today would think that Jesus was some type of heretic because he wasn't following their laws when he was instead following his, because people fail to understand Jesus' law today. You know, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 29, uh, they was having a discussion, or actually back in verse uh, 22, they was having a discussion concerning the resurrection. And in verse 29, Jesus you're, said, you're not, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So he specifically told them they didn't know or understand the scriptures that he had set forth for them. And uh, for the most part, people today aren't any different. They get their own notion of what the Bible says or what they think it ought to say or what they want it to say or just completely ignore it outright and do what they want to in religion, as far as religious matters. But we could be just like them and be mistaken from not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. And by that, if we were in that situation, then when Jesus came today, if he came and was here today like we was talking about, we wouldn't want to accept what he said either. We'd be one of the people hollering for him to be crucified just like the Jews did before Pilate. Jesus wouldn't be worshiping like a lot of religious people today worship. Therefore, they would think he was a heretic. They'd want him out. They wouldn't want anything to do with him. Jesus would not teach the same gospel that many religious, denominational people are teaching today. He would not be accepting women in positions of leadership. He would not be accepting divorce for any cause. He would not be accepting homosexuality and other types of moral issues that religious people today have no problem with. He would be teaching against that Religious people wouldn't want anything to do with somebody quite as radical as Christ. A radical, phenomenal extremist like Christ, religious people today wouldn't want anything to do with him. And they would demand his crucifixion, I'm afraid. You know, and the difference in the Jesus' teachings and what teachings of people do today is Jesus taught with authority. He was the Son of God. He was direct from God. And the, the Pharisees were impressed quite often and commented about how he talked differently than other people did. Because when they taught about the law of Moses, they would have to say, Moses said this or Moses said that. But when Jesus taught, he'd say, the law says this, but I say unto you, here's how it's going to be from now on. So Jesus taught with authority. And people today can't teach with, can't teach with that. And I don't think they're... Uh, comprehend what it is to have someone with authority tell them what to do. Finally, the first century religious people had a problem with Christ because they did not accept his teachings, and therefore they wanted him crucified. And if we fail to accept Christ's Christ's teachings today, we are in opposition to Christ, and in effect, we would demand his crucifixion because we fail to accept him and his rule over us. In John chapter 8, verse 37, Jesus said, I know that you are Abraham's seed, But you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. They had not accepted Christ's teachings. They were in opposition with Christ. And instead of of accepting Christ's teachings, they wanted him out of the the picture. They wanted him out of their lives. They wanted him crucified. A lot of religious people today, they won't come out and say it. They won't come out and admit it. But Christ gets in their way because they don't want to accept his teachings. They don't want to submit to what God and Christ have said to them. And therefore, they just want it out of the picture. They want it out of the way so they can do whatever they want. You know, the people of the first century rejected Christ in a lot of respects because these religious leaders had a big financial deal set up here. They were making money off of teaching the gospel, just like a lot of people today have these big religious empires set up, and they're making a lot of money off teaching the gospel. And when Christ came today, if he came, he'd be interfering with their finances just like he interfered with theirs, and they'd reject him. And we have to be careful that we're not letting our finances interfere the same way. And we we can let lots of financial things interfere with following Jesus and therefore crucify him afresh. All right. Well, that's the conclusion of our program tonight. Monty, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of it tonight. Thank you for having me, Jackie. All right. Thank you, Gordon, for being here. Thank you. And Dale, thank you.
enjoyed being here. Appreciate you all for being a part of the program tonight. Hope you'll come back sometime. And we appreciate you for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. We know an hour of your time is very valuable, but we appreciate you for your desire to study God's Word with us tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.